certainly. Yeah, certainly want to uh, say thank you for that, and uh, I'm going to try to preach today. It's not very often that the Lord gives me a message that far in advance, but uh, I'm going to try to preach to you today just a message very simple called Hallelujah. Um, and um, Brother Chuck, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Um, if you have your Bibles and want to read along, turn to Luke chapter 2. Um, it is a, um, a very familiar reading, but we're not, we've preached on the, the birth of Christ the last few weeks, and uh, I'm going to go a little past that um, and, and maybe sort of follow the, the lyrics of that song. But uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, starting with verse number 21. And just be uh, mindful that um, if the Lord deals with you, you need to say or do whatever He says to do today. I know we've all got family obligations after a while, but that'll still be there. This is, this is the Lord's house and it's the Lord's Amen. work. Amen. And so I'm in no hurry. I just want to... Uh, but at the same time, I don't plan on keeping you here longer than, than intended. Uh, so just follow the Lord. Luke chapter 2, verse number 21. It says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child... His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, Amen. which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal, of the tribe of Asher. 
and she was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise to the Lord and spake to him of him to all them that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee and to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Uh, now turn to Revelation chapter number 19, and starting in verse 1. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He hath judged the great whore which did set it corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of His servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye His servants, and ye that fear Him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Again, the Lord began to deal with me about this message several weeks ago, um, and He doesn't always do that, but He did this time, and so I just want to preach a very simple thought called Hallelujah. Uh, what I read to you in Revelation, we'll get to that a little bit later, that's the only mention of the word Hallelujah in the New Testament, and it's actually maybe in the entire Scripture, but that word is simply a word that means praise the Lord. Uh, and we've got lots of reasons, as Brother Chuck just said, to praise God today. He's been so good to us, been good to our families, been good to us as a church. Uh, this year we've seen a number of our young people get saved and get baptized and, and unite with us here at the plant. And so we've got so many reasons that we should cry hallelujah. Uh, but I want to go back, and as we said, the last few Sundays we preached on, on the birth, and, uh, and that's important. And, and, uh, but I want to move past the birth a little bit to now the point where, uh, where Jesus has been born, and, and they stayed at, at, uh, at Bethlehem for a while, and, and after eight days the Scripture said He was circumcised according to the law that God gave to Abraham and then to Moses. And so they followed that law to the teeth. He fulfilled every bit of the law. Uh, but after 40 days, the law was that you should uh, bring that, especially the firstborn, that opened the firstborn male child, especially bring him to the temple and sort of dedicate 
a hymn to the Lord and you were supposed to bring, if you could afford it, a lamb, I think, for an offering. Uh, but if you were poor, then, then, then instead of a lamb, if you couldn't afford that, you were, according to the law, there was a, an exception for the poor that you could offer turtle doves and young pigeons and, and being born in a stable in Bethlehem uh, to a simple carpenter and a teenage virgin mother named Mary, we realize that our Lord was born into the meanest of circumstances. He, uh, he, didn't, he didn't come to this earth with great fanfare. I mean, angels came and rejoiced, but if not for the angels, nobody would have ever known that He had been born. But they announced His birth uh, to the shepherds that night, uh, and, and the Scripture says the shepherds went and they found Him uh, just laying in a stable and in a manger. Uh, he lay where animals came and feed. So, uh, so He was poor, and we know that He was poor uh, because of what Mary and Joseph brought to the temple uh, when He was 40 days old. They couldn't afford a lamb so they did bring uh, turtle doves and pigeons but as they were there there was a man the scripture says a devout man named Simeon who uh, who waited for the consolation of Israel you remember when the Lord said unto his disciples uh, as he was preparing to leave this earth he said I will send you another comforter uh, Simeon was waiting for the comfort and the consolation of Israel and it had been revealed to this man through the Holy Ghost that, uh, that Simeon would not die until he had with his own eyes laid eyes upon the Lord's Christ. And so I don't know how far in advance God allowed Simeon that knowledge, but Simeon for a day by day would probably get up, if I'm guessing, and wonder if today was the day. You see, they had been waiting for that promise for thousands of years, ever since the Garden of Eden when, uh, when God had said unto, uh, said unto the serpent and said unto the woman, and He prophesied that the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent and they had been waiting from that time uh, Abraham saw the Christ day uh, saw that uh, God would provide himself a lamb uh, Moses spoke of Christ day uh, that the Lord should raise up a prophet uh, like unto him and him shall ye hear Isaiah and different people in the Old Testament had prophesied of the coming of the anointed one uh, that the Messiah would come and so for thousands of years they lay uh, the promises lay there uh, but according to the Scripture, when the fullness of time was come, uh, that Christ came and was born of a woman and born under the law. Uh, but every day, I would imagine, Simeon got up, and as he was getting prepared, he must have thought to himself, I wonder if this is the day uh, that mine eyes shall see. Uh, you see, we as children of God today, those of us who have been saved, I don't know about you, but there's days that I wonder, is today the day that He's going to come and take us? Is today the day we don't know when it's going to be? Uh, but just like that man Simeon, we have lived uh, for a long time and numbers of years and churches have came and churches have sadly departed and people have came and people have sadly departed. Uh, but all this time, those who are truly born again, uh, there is one great event that we are all uh, waiting on and that's the coming uh, the second time of the Son of God. Uh, Simeon was waiting for him 
during that first time. And lo and behold, the Scripture says the Holy Ghost came upon Simeon. And you know what he said? He said, Simeon, now's the time. I know you've waited your whole life, maybe. You've waited day after day. And everything that you've ever waited for, I'm going to reveal to you today. And the Holy Ghost got a hold of Simeon and said, you need to go to the temple. And Simeon came into the temple, I would imagine about the same time uh, that Mary came uh, carrying her little boy in her arms, uh, carrying God in the flesh. You know what that is? I preached about it last week. Uh, but the Apostle Paul said, great, uh, great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh. Now uh, there's a song that gets sung a lot this time of year. Uh, Mary, did you know I don't know exactly how much she knew. I doubt that she understood everything. I doubt that as the song said, I doubt she knew that he would walk on water. I doubt she knew he would raise the dead. I doubt she knew that he had walked maybe where angels had tried. But there was a few things that she didn't know. That this child was going to be the Son of God. And she came bearing her little baby boy in her arms. 40 days old. And they got into the temple and Simeon came about that same time and he saw that baby and the same spirit that revealed to Simeon you shall not die and do you have beheld the Lord's Christ it was that same Holy Ghost that revealed to Simeon that's him that little baby born to those two poor Jews those two poor Hebrews that's him and when Simeon received that knowledge the scripture says he went and he grabbed that little baby he grabbed baby Jesus and he held him in his arms and he looked down at the one who made everything. He was looking into the very face of the one who created him. Looking into the face of that little baby that created everything that you see. And he got happy and he probably said within himself, Hallelujah. He said, we know. He said, now let thy servant depart in peace. For I have seen thy salvation. I've seen everything that was promised to me. And then he was ready to depart. Oh, my sinner friend, I hope that you never are content to leave this world until your eyes have beheld your salvation. He's still here among us today. I know he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but his Spirit is among you today. And he's among us today in this very building. Draw and trying to woo men and trying to draw you down to a place of repentance and faith. And Simeon, once he had seen the Lord's Christ, he was ready to go. Everything that he'd been waiting for had now suddenly come to pass. And then there was a prophetess named Anna. Now the Scripture says she, uh, she was married seven years and then her husband died. And now she was old, uh, uh, at least 84 years old, the Scripture says. Uh, but she ceased not every day and every night as uh, she would find her way into the house of God. Uh, she just wanted to be close uh, to that place. Uh, that the Spirit and power of God would often come down. Uh, oftentimes in the Old Testament, uh, the power and the Spirit of God would come in the form of a cloud uh, and anoint that temple and anoint that piece of ground. Uh, and men would talk with God and God would talk with men. And she wanted to be close to that. And so day and night she ceased not uh, to come. And she found her way to that temple. Uh, and when she had laid her eyes upon the same baby that 
Simeon had just said. Uh, she, uh, she said now, uh, she began to speak about all of those that looked for redemption. I want you to understand today, as a church body, we have, a, uh, we have an awesome obligation and responsibility uh, to spread the gospel uh, that all of those that are looking for redemption might be able to find redemption in a person, in the Lord Jesus Christ. But Simeon said something to Mary. He said, Mary, the Scripture said, pondered all of these things in her heart. She didn't quite know uh, what to make out what she was hearing. She had heard what the shepherd said. She had heard what Simeon said. And as Mary was thinking about these things, Simeon told Mary, Mary, uh, your baby, this child is set for the rising and falling of many in Israel. And he said, a, he said a sign that shall be spoken against. And as she was wondering what that could have possibly meant, he said, but Mary, just be mindful of this. There's going to come a day a sword is going to pierce through your soul because of this baby. And so Mary didn't know what to make of that. And the last we see of the childhood of Jesus was he grew in stature and favor with God and with men. And the scripture says that uh, the next time you see him, he's 12 years old, questioning and asking uh, uh, questions to the doctors and teachers of the law of God. And then you don't hear from him again until he's a full age at 30 years of age. And he came preaching repentance for the remission of sins. And so all of this time, we don't know. Uh, we don't know exactly what all happened. Uh, but we do know this. Uh, uh, that it was prophesied long ago. And so when Christ Jesus came into this world, the Scripture says that wise men came. When they got there, I have no idea. Uh, but it doesn't really matter the when. Uh, but they said they, uh, they fell down. Uh, how, the, how God got their attention from a pagan land, I have no idea. Uh, but when they found Him, that was born king of the Jews they also fell down and worshipped him and they gave him gold which represents the king of kings uh, they gave him frankincense uh, which, uh, which, uh, uh, which bears witness of him uh, taking our prayers up into the throne of God uh, on the incense of our prayers Revelation says that and then they anointed him with myrrh they gave him myrrh and myrrh was an incense also uh, but it was used for embalming mostly and so from the time that he was a little child, the stench of death was upon him. And so Mary, remembering all of these things, and remembering what Simeon said, that Mary, the day's coming, a sword is going to pierce through your own soul also. But Christ Jesus, when he was 30 years old, went about and began his preaching and began his teaching, began his ministry, began to start to proclaim that God had sent him from heaven above, began to proclaim that he is the Son of the Almighty God, that everlasting Spirit is now flesh, walking among us. The Word has now become flesh and begin to preach and to teach and people would come to Him and the Scripture says the common people heard Him gladly and everybody that, that came to Him they walked away. You couldn't, you couldn't walk away from Him and not be impressed with who He was and so they came and they would lay their sick in the streets and he would pass by those streets and those sick would touch his garments and they'd be healed and throughout his whole life hallelujahs 
followed him everywhere. Everything he done, everywhere he went, everywhere he went, uh, he he was he was praised and he was beloved and he was adored by those who loved the Lord, by those like Simeon who had been waiting a long time for that consolation of Israel. But there came a day that uh, that uh, that he went up on a mountain apart to pray early on in his ministry. And he prayed there all night. And when he came, uh, actually when the dawn uh, broke, the Scripture says uh, that after he had talked with his father in prayer that night, he began to choose. And out of all of his followers, he chose twelve to come up to that mountain. You might say, what does this have to do with Christmas? I want you to understand today uh, the church that you belong to, whether it's this church or another church, it all originated on a mountain outside of Jerusalem. If that's not a reason today for the church of the living God uh, to begin to shout hallelujah, uh, that we have a church, uh, that we have a body of believers, uh, that we've united ourselves together and united ourselves to Him, and it all started on a mountain a long time ago. Hallelujah to God for His church uh, which the Scripture says there's coming a day uh, that He's going to present that to Himself. And I'll come back to that. Hold that thought. Uh, But what did that mean? A sword is going to pierce through your own soul, Mary. You can find in the Scriptures that Mary was there. And Mary was there on a hill called Golgotha one day. Uh, when they took her little boy, uh, when they beat him, uh, bloody, and they mocked him, and they scourged him, and they spit in his face, and they buffeted him, and he began to cry out uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Uh, the Scripture says he began to be sore heavy. His soul began to be sore heavy. And he knelt down, and he prayed as there were great drops of blood. And he began to cry out to his Father in heaven that that if there's any way uh, that you can prevent this from happening to me, but not my will, done be done. And so the Bible says that they took him there in the garden one night and they led him away to the judgment. And there they mocked him and beat him. There they, uh, he was betrayed. Uh, there they uh, shamefully spit upon him. Uh, it would have been a shame to do that to any man. But they did this to my Lord. And my God, and they walked him down the streets of Jerusalem. And women were weeping. He told them not to weep for themselves, but to weep for their children. All the way up, you remember uh, what he told his apostles. He loved them to the very end. Uh, even as they lifted him up on the cross on Golgotha's hill, and he began to pray for Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Uh, but as Mary stood at the foot of the cross and, and watched her baby boy, and that she had swaddled in swaddling clothes, and that she had clothed, that she had fed, and that she had laid in a manger, and that she had helped circumcise, that she had took him to the temple. They, she watched her little baby boy be suspended between the earth and the heaven. And finally, everything that Simeon said, I believe, came rushing home to her. It was there that a sword pierced through the heart of the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was pierced there on the spot as she watched the life leave her son's body. The apostles were gathered together there somewhere. I've got a feeling it doesn't really say. But I've got a feeling lots that he had healed. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe Bartimaeus was there. and Maybe Lazarus was there. I've got a feeling that lots that he had touched were there. 
And they watched him die. They watched the Son of Man and the Son of God die. They watched, uh, they watched his broken body. And they saw his broken frame. And they watched his breath leave his body. And they watched their beloved Lord and God bow his head and give up the ghost. And now it was over. Now everything that they had hoped for, everything that they had traveled with him three years for, every promise that he ever made them, it seemed to be in question. For how could this man now have performed the things which he had promised? And so Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate, begged the body of Jesus, took him down from that cross, bought a tomb or borrowed a tomb, and laid him in that tomb. And every man beheld where he was laid. The women beheld where he was laid. And But there was a silence for days, for about three days across that city. Men and women got together and they wept and they mourned and they cried. But there came the third day. And on that third day, the Scripture says women came and they bought spices to anoint his body. Thinking fully well they were going to find the body of their Lord and Savior. Not understanding everything that He had said to them, they thought He was going to find a body. But when they got there, the Scripture says, the stone was already gone. It was already rolled away. And when they went in, they saw an angel sitting there where the, where the, where the grave was. And He said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. You think that wasn't a hallelujah moment? You think it wasn't hallelujah, glory to God, when the angels declared He is risen from the dead? But go and get the disciples and He's going to meet you in Galilee. And what a mating that was when He met with Him and the hallelujahs began to ring down. You think there wasn't a hallelujah time in heaven when the Scriptures of the song was fulfilled? When our Lord Jesus ascended back up to glory and the psalmist had prophesied, open up ye gates, open up ye everlasting doors and let the King of glory come in. You don't think the angels gathered round about that place and when their Lord and their Master whom they had watched die and suffer and bleed and be buried when He rose again, when He ascended back up to where He was before, you don't think when those gates opened and the everlasting doors opened and the Son of God one more time walked down the streets of gold, you don't think there was a hallelujah in heaven that day? I mean to tell you, they loved Him before, but after they seen everything, they had to love Him more than they ever did before. They had to let the hallelujahs begin to roll. Now what does that mean for us? I just read in your hearing the only mention of the word hallelujah in the Scripture. And it comes at a time when destruction is taking place. It comes at a time when Babylon the whore of Babylon is now fallen. And people are saying hallelujah. And how can that be? I don't know about you. I don't love this world. I love my life in this world. But this world is a horrible place. And because of sin, and because of what man does because of sin, this world is cursed. And this world is fallen. And this world is a blaspheming world. And there's going to come a day there's going to come a day when I lay this temple down. 
when I breathe my last breath. And I want you to understand this. Those of us who have been saved, there is absolutely no reason to fear that time. There is absolutely no reason. Death has no hold over you that have been saved by the grace of God. You know what's going to happen one day? You're going to close your eyes here and hallelujah is going to be the next thing that rolls off of your tongue. The next thing that you know, you're going to be in the presence of God Himself. Your eyes are going to see Him that died for you. Your eyes are going to see Him that saved you by His power and by His grace. And then there's coming a day long prophesied that heaven and earth will be no more. There is coming a day John saw in chapter 17 and 18 of the book of Revelation. There is coming a day when the whore of Babylon is going to fall. There's coming a day that all of those who reject our Lord, all of those who would have nothing to do with Him, all of those who blaspheme Him, all of those who take His mark of the beast, all of those who refuse to worship Him, they're going to die and they're going to perish. And that's, that might seem like a sad thing to us now. But when we get there, we're going to rejoice because that whore is dead and that whore is fallen. And the people in heaven are going to be shouting hallelujah for finally the day of all days that we've been waiting our whole life for, that the martyrs died for, that the apostles died for. Uh, We were talking in Sunday school about the Sadducees that believe there is no resurrection. And I said, what is the point of a religion with no hope? I'm glad I believe in the resurrection. I'm glad there's coming a day we're going to unite together. I'm glad there's coming a day of the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm glad there's coming a day when the saints of God and the angels and the elders and the beasts are going to fall down prostrate before the throne. And you know what the Scripture says? They shall see His face. And when you see His face, you're going to cry hallelujah too. We're all going to shout hallelujah. And then the Lord's church that came into existence 2,000 years ago on the top of a mountain. You know where we're going to be? The Scripture says that He's going to present Himself a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle. And it's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. And blessed are those who are counted worthy to be invited to that marriage supper. I don't know about you. I don't know who's going to be a part of that bride. But I do know this. Unless you're in the Lord's church, you have no hope to be in a part of that bride. And so I would say this. You do everything you can. It said the bride has made herself ready. And He's going to prevent the, present His church unto Himself, not having spot or wrinkle. All of us are going to be in clean linen, white and clean, for that is the righteousness of the saints. And the bride is making herself ready. What are you doing while we're living down here if you're not making yourself ready? I want you to understand there is coming a day when hallelujahs will ring out and when we'll all meet together and when the Scripture says there'll be no more curse. When God wipes that tear away, You know what Simeon said when he looked into the eyes of his Christ? He looked into the eyes of that little baby and he said, now I'm ready. I don't know about you. I'm in no hurry to leave here. But I will say this, I'm glad I'm ready. I'm glad I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet your God? Are you ready to meet the judgment?
the Savior of the world came and was born of a virgin to make you ready. That Savior grew. He didn't stay a child. He's not a babe anymore. He's not a bleeding, dying lamb. But when He comes back, He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm glad I know Him. I'm glad I know the King of kings and Lord of lords. Those wise men, those magi, said where is He born that is King of the Jews? He's a King. He's coming as a King. He's the rightful ruler of this world. And there's coming a time when the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And when that day comes, you're either going to be on the outside where the destruction is going to melt you with fervent heat. You're either going to be on the outside standing as a goat and you're going to be on the outside of everything that's good and you're going to burn forever. And if you're on the outside, you might say, surely you would think of us and cast a glance our way. Oh, we will cast a glance your way as we see, according to this isn't my word, it's the Scripture, as we see the smoke of your torment ascending up forever and ever and ever, there will be one word on our lips. You know what that word is? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might say, how could you say that while people suffer and burn forever? You see, it's hallelujah. Because God said it's hallelujah. It's hallelujah because all of those who are rightfully with Him have been washed and saved, redeemed by His blood. And all of those who rejected Him, there is no place found for you in that land. But as you burn, and as your smoke arises up forever, the saints of God will shout hallelujah. Because everything that's written is finally come to pass. Every eye shall see Him, even those that pierced Him, and they shall wail because of Him, but not us. Us that have been saved, we won't wail because of Him. As He wipes away every last tear from our eyes, we'll not mourn for you, we'll not cry for you. We do down here. We weep and we mourn because you're yet lost. We weep and we mourn because we know that except you get saved, You're going to a devil's hell. We weep and we mourn here. But in that day, when the very last tear is wiped from our eyes, that means no more weeping, no more mourning. We'll simply cast a glance in your direction. And as the smoke ascends, we'll simply cry hallelujah to the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. And as we forever, ever Age after age after age will roll on and on and on. And we'll meet some of the greats in the Scripture. We'll see Paul and Moses and Daniel. You will meet your grandparents. A lot of you have told me, I wish you'd have known my husband. And my reply is, I'll know him one day. I'll see him one day. Will we know each other? Yes, sir. We're not going to be greater fools there than we are here. If I know you here, I'm going to know you there. And his church will be together. There'll be no division. There'll be no non-fellowship. But we'll all fellowship together in one mind and in one accord as age after age rolls on in one never-ending day and the gates of heaven will never be shut by day and there is no night there 
no sun there, no stars there, but God himself is the light. And finally, after all this time, after all these lives, after all the tears, after all the weeping, after all the rejoicing, after all the joy, and after all the sorrow, God's saints will finally be home, home with him at last. What a day that'll be. No wonder John said four times in six verses, the saints of God begin to shout, Hallelujah. I don't think you know what that word means. I said it well ago. It means praise the Lord. There will never be a time in heaven what hallelujah is not on the lips of somebody. There'll never be a time when we remember, yes, sir. The scripture says we'll sing the song of Moses, the song of deliverance. Will we remember things? Yes, sir. I believe we'll remember when the Lord saved us. How can we sing a song of deliverance if we don't remember being delivered? You see, the angels don't know what that's like. They'll have to be silent. That song is for the church. It's for the saints. It's those who have found their redemption in that little baby that looked for redemption. They find Him in the man Christ Jesus. And the church, the redeemed... The scripture says the redeemed shall walk there. Nobody that's not redeemed will ever enter in. You know what the best part is? I like the no dying. I like the no weeping. But I really like there's no more curse. Sin has entered into the heaven that now exists. Satan was cast out. Heaven will one day be made anew. And sin will never be allowed to enter in that place. I worship God feebly down here. But there in that place, without restrictions of a sinful body, our pure spirits and souls will be united with a pure body. And hallelujahs will flow forever. And ever, and ever, without end. I can't think of a greater story at a time when we celebrate the greatest story ever known. But thanks be to God, it didn't stop when He was a baby. And thanks to God, it didn't stop on the cross. And thanks to God, it didn't even stop at an empty tomb. It's never going to stop. What He told His disciples, because I live, you shall live also. Just think on this and then I'll hush. The Scripture declares He died. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending. I am He that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Think on this. If He's alive forevermore, and your life is hid with Christ in God, if He's alive forevermore, you know what that means? I live, 
you live. We are alive forevermore. Forever and ever and ever. This short life down here is not going to compare with forever. I'm 46. Just yesterday I was 16. I've lost 30 years in the blink of an eye. Some of you are far older than 36, 46. Some of you are older than Anna was at 84. But you know what? There's going to come a day you're going to die. And you're not going to fear that day. You're going to say, Lord, it's time. I want to be like Simeon. He was just and devout, just waiting for the consolation. What a testimony. Just waiting for that day that we cross from life, from death to life. Waiting for that day when we give up the ghost and our heart beats its last and breath leaves our body and enters in to heaven itself to see Him, to see all of those that have been lost to death, to see the church glorified one more time together. What a family reunion that's going to be. Mom and Daddy, Grandma and Grandpa. But the best of all is Jesus. They shall see His face. Hallelujah to God for His salvation. Hallelujah to God that He sent His Son into this lost, wretched, dying world. Hallelujah to God that He didn't stay dead. The primitive quartet sings a song, Hallelujah, He's risen. Hallelujah indeed. Because He rose, I'm going to rise forever to be with Him. Hallelujah is our message. Go ahead, brother, get your song.